Welcome, friends. Hi. Hello. Etc. Y'all are listening to How Do You Do? The show where we interview our friends about their jobs. You got it. It's time to learn, y'all. Zoom, 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 zoom. Hi, hello, and welcome. This is How Do You Do? My name is Brad Breakfast. Who the hell are you? Hannah Backwards. Hannah, who's our guest? Um, Ethan. Ethan. Ethan, can we use your last name? Yeah, absolutely. Ethan Sandoval. It's Santana, Brad. It's Elmo <laughs> Santana. <laughs> That's my still one of my favorite things, and... I I read your name upside down on a sign-up sheet, and I thought it said Elmo Santana, and so I introduced you as that, and it's just adorable. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we're going to talk about what you do, um, which you are like, what is your actual title? Solutions Specialist. So, it sounds like you work at Staples. It sounds like I'm a hitman. (laughs) Right. What do you do? I solve things. (laughs) (laughs) Wet work. (laughs) But uh, you you work for a company that makes promotional items. Yes, branded merchandise, things like that. You're also a comic. I am. And we know you from... from the open mic that I co-host with season two guest Laura Laura Cook, but uh, you're honestly I mean you're one of the funniest fucking people in Tulsa comedy, and yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm not that cocky. I swear. Uh, well, we we just we love you so much. Uh, every time we see you, you. You managed to make me laugh until I hurt a little bit, and it's it's like such a good feeling. So I'm so psyched to get you on the mm-hmm. on the show. Um, we got normal shit as always. I got a shout out this week. It's it's kind. I mean, it's always a special one, but this one this one's real special. So, Hannah, do you, I mean, are you comfortable telling our listeners what happened? No, I think you should do. That. Okay. Because I'm not. My uh, my brother, um, actual brother, not brother from season one or two. I don't remember when we had. But uh, my, my biological brother did take his life earlier this week. Um, it was a surprise to me. Uh, it was it was really jarring. Honestly, um, I wasn't very close to him. I tried to do some bits about it last night, and um, I think the wound was still too fresh, but I don't really necessarily believe in in an afterlife. Um, but I believe that we all put some kind of energy into the world, and and I think we lost something great, and, and I, I just have to de- dedicate this episode to Sammy. Like, like... I met I met the kid when I was 18 years old. That's 17 years ago, and I haven't I hadn't really talked to him in in quite a long time, and I'm gonna miss another chance to do that. So, listeners, I want to leave it to you if you're comfortable with it. 
and I, and I don't mean go reopen old wounds, but if you have somebody who you would like to have a relationship with, reach out to them. You're going to lose them or they're going to lose you. That's just how life works. And, and I want you to never regret anything. I want you to enjoy every fucking sandwich and, and just, just live, you know, live without regrets. Don't, don't wake up like I did to bad news and then have to cope with not making enough of the time that you have. So that's, that's my shout out. I know it's heavy. I know it's, and we're going to get a lot less heavy and then we're going to get heavy again. So let's, let's get to the rant. Strap on you guys. Yeah. You know how it goes. This is a fucking roller coaster of a podcast. What do you got, Ethan? I don't think the phrase is strap on. <laughs> That's what we've been saying it a lot. Well, okay. All right, cool. That's fine. And take that however you also, want I to. Also, I don't appreciate you saying enjoy every sandwich when before the podcast I confided in you that I spilled a meatball my <laughs> on myself. This feels targeted. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Warren Zevon quote. Uh, yeah, he said it to um, he said it to David Letterman when he found out he was about to die, and they like they were good friends, and so Dave had him on the show, and said, "Do you have any advice uh, to to our viewers?" And he said, "Enjoy every sandwich," and it's like the most cryptic fucking thing, but it's so it's so big, right? I mean, Ethan, did you enjoy the sandwich? It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, see, then there mission you go. accomplished. It was good before it tried to assassinate my shirt. Yeah, well, hey, it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, it better. I like this shirt a lot. So, my rant this week, I just wrote Woken Mike. I, we're going to get into this, but every comic has material that they feel like is edgy and i believe that every comic has written material they believe they can't do i've got like a page of bits about john mccain's brain turning into pudding you can't do those in most rooms this is edgy shit that we write to get the dark thoughts out, you know, and, and sometimes what you have left is relatively harmless. That does not mean that any one comic is like squeaky clean is quote unquote woke is, is anything that, that means that as I say, in most of my sets, that person has the ability to read a room. Mm. And and sometimes the room is going to be a little different. And if you go into it looking to antagonize and piss people off, that's what you're going to do. And if you go into it going, hey, this is kind of dark, but it's funny, mm. it may work. Um, and that's, that's just my rant. And we'll kind of get into detail a little bit in the second half of the show. Because I have some more thoughts, and I'm sure you do too, Ethan. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts. Yeah. Um, I did have one one more thing. Um, 
Phil Riker, if you're listening to this, I uh, you're you're still an asshole. That because we haven't talked about him in like four episodes, but you d- don't worry, I still think you're terrible. So if you're listening to this, Phil, go change your shirt and shave your neck beard, because I hate you. All right. And no more messages. Yeah, I don't please really don't message anymore. us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a couple of facts. So the first one has to do kind of with the promotional side of things, Mm -hmm. since that's what you kind of do. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first promotional item in the U.S. history was a commemorative button made for the George Washington election of 1789. Mm -hmm. And because they got so popular, they realized, hey, we can do this more. And that's how it turned into flyers and like posters and other things like that. I wonder if George Washington thought that there was a chance he might not get reelected. He was he was kind of a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. That would be like like 2005 if Ryan Seacrest had run for president, oh God. we would have president Ryan Seacrest, maybe lifetime president. <laughs> I I I don't know what else to compare it to cuz I don't have that much of a foothold in pop culture, but George Washington probably didn't need those buttons. You know what's interesting about that fact is that means that technically George Washington is also responsible for propaganda. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's your legacy right there. (laughs) Well, maybe. I I wonder if they're leaving propaganda uh, or if they're separating that because I have to believe that like Athens and Sparta had some sort of propaganda. Right, and also it's like there's no way we would have any evidence of that. Like, you know. I, I, I don't know how much we would have, but I know that... I mean, if it's anything like papyrus or like in that regard, unless it's like etched in stone. Yeah. I don't know. Because it's... Pro- Listen, promotional products are always cheap bullshit. I, I would assume that even in ancient Greek, they were like, oh, fuck, another rock? Uh, <laughs> I've got a dozen of these. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's accurate. I know that there are, like, tunnels. There, there's a tunnel, and I, I think it's Pompeii, that's still full of graffiti. Mm. And it's all stuff like... Um, like, I, I keep thinking Tacitus in my head. He was a... Roman historian. But anyway, it'll say, like, name, uh, likes to get fucked in the ass. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> bathroom graffiti, you, if, if you're, like, the person who's like, I'm graffitiing this bathroom and I'm saying something really original and funny, you're not. Yeah, no. we've seen it on many mm-hmm. bathrooms before. Fucking Marcus Aurelius was like, Julius has a tiny pee-pee. I will say, once I, uh, I was really drunk at a bar, and in the bathroom stall, somebody had written the Tears in Rain speech from Blade Runner, and I cried a little bit. (laughs) But I was very drunk. Mm. And I thought, this is beautiful, (laughs) in this bar bathroom. Mm. Um, So our second fact, you know about this, I'm sure. Lenny Bruce was arrested in 1961 and was acquitted after a highly publicized obscenity trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, the police actually took it uh, as like a threat, sort of, and followed him around 
and just kept busting him for drugs. That's mm-hmm. that's what they used. They were like, we got to get this guy. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he was doing terrible stuff that was, I mean, illegal stuff outside of what people considered to be the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a fan of Lenny Bruce? Not really. I can't say that I am. I, I, I honestly don't know if I've ever watched Lenny Bruce. Like I know, I know who Lenny Bruce is, and yeah. I know his legacy and all that, and like, I was kind of the, the forefather of like, off color, offensive, like outside of the norm comedy, dirty like cuss words yeah. and things like that. I kind of see him as uh like a forefather of of alternative comedy, alt comedy, yeah, definitely, uh, which that. is definitely what got me into comedy in the first place. Mm-hmm. Was people like Brian Posehn and uh, Patton Oswalt, the 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 comedians of comedy show on Comedy Central when I was younger, mm-hmm. was very important to helping me establish my taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Patton Oswalt is my all time favorite. I love him. Patton Oswalt, yeah, I just his ability is so good. Yes. Um, but I will say, just like a tiny little fun tidbit, uh, my favorite story of a comic getting busted for drugs is Tommy Chong, which is technically, he didn't get busted for drugs. He got, um, but his son owned a bong company. Yes. And then the DEA put somebody in to the bong company, had them ship a bong across Philadelphia state lines, which was illegal. Then they arrested Tommy Chong for it. And when they went to arrest Tommy Chong, they went to his house and the DE showed up, and they they walked. They asked him, "Sir, are there any drugs in the house?" And he looked up and looked at them and went, "I'm Tommy Chong." <laughs> my favorite story. I love that so much. And that's that's amazing. Um, and I used to run a head shop, and um, our most popular item was actually Cheech glass. Mm. Not Chong Glass. Mm. Um, Cheech got into it after Chong went to prison. Yeah, because it was Chong's bong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They were really high quality. Mm -hmm. Really pricey. That's why we carried Cheech. People can't afford that shit. Hey, Cheech's throne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're getting right to it. (laughs) Ethan, what are your pronouns? He, him. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to use that as an opportunity for a joke. We're good. <laughs> How many orders do you fill a day? A day is like not, uh, eh. Honestly, it's like we're a fairly small company, so I, I would say like one a day. <laughs> but it's like it's more so the maintenance of the steps of the orders of like, Okay, first we have to, like, send a presentation. And then after we send a presentation, the client goes, okay, that looks great. Uh, Then we have to send the client a sales order, which then they have to approve. And then after they approve the sales order, we send a purchase order to the the person who wants to buy it. And then after, or the person who makes it. And then the purchase order gets approved. Then they send us proof of the artwork to show, like, that the placement of the logo is correct and everything. Then I have to send the proof to the client to be approved. And once the client approves the proof, I have to send the approval to the, the, the fucking company that's making it. And once they do that, they then go 
go into production and then they start making it and then they ship it to us and then I have to track the shipping and then I have to set, get that to the client and then once the client has that, we send them the invoice and then they pay us. That's a lot of steps. Yes. <laughs> so to, to clarify, you, you kind of do everything in this company, but would you call this company a middleman between companies that manufacture the products? It's a broker. So you can't technically buy wholesale. Like you, you wouldn't be able to reach, like a, we work with Sanmar as a company and Sanmar makes apparel or well, they, I don't even know if they make apparel. So they, I think they make some apparel, but then they also sell, they sell like Nike clothing and like, cause Nike doesn't run their own wholesale. So what they do is they outsource to a company like Sanmar. So then you can buy like a Nike dry fit polo or whatever. And then we can buy it from them at wholesale pricing. And then you as a consumer can buy it from us at our marked up pricing, but it's still going to be cheaper than like going out and buying a polo and then taking it to someone to be decorated like that's what it is it's like but we also work in bulk quantities like if you buy one shirt from us and you get it embroidered that's going to be incredibly expensive but if you buy like 12 or 24 or 500 like the higher the quantity the cheaper it is per item right so i sought out uh, a custom shirt recently mm -hmm. and just a regular t-shirt i think printed on alternative apparel because mm. uh, uh, american apparel blows um it was going to cost me 45 dollars right for it, one shirt and that's that's kind of standard like our price is not going to be much better the the part where we get really competitive in pricing is like once you get to like 12 or 24 is where it really starts yeah. to, specifically on shirts like because also like we don't just do apparel we do um like fans and cups and um uh we do like we do like snap bands and like uh, we had uh sunglasses where the the arms were snap bands and then they also would like fold up, so they were like a, they would fit in like the palm of your hand. Like that's really cool. Yeah, and like but we do like first aid kits. Like just like if it's a thing you can buy, we can probably get it customized. <laughs> that's that makes that makes sense. Um, I mean, there there are things like if you were to go to a, a major college that has a football team and go into their locker rooms their first aid kits are going to have the college's logo mm -hmm. because any opportunity to first of all brand uh brand awareness mm -hmm. but second of all to psych everyone up um so i mean i always kind of wondered where that shit came from um mm -hmm. and sanmar do you also work with like berry plastics or um, yeah, I mean, we, man, we work with a lot of people. Yeah. We work with, like, a lot of, like, so, like, for, like, apparel, it's, like, Sanmar and SNS Activewear and, like, Carolina Made and Alpha Broder, like, those are the big ones, but, like, we also work with, like, companies like Hit Promo, which, like, does, like, uh, like, a little bottles of hand sanitizer and keychains yeah. and things like that, or there's, like, 
There's like iClick who does like these big, uh, they'll do like charging bases and like they're the only company that you can technically buy customized poppets from for the back of your phone. Like you can only buy customized poppets from iClick. Um, so like it, it's very much like there's a, uh, a lot of suppliers specialize in a few things like, you know, um, tech world, like, uh, I think started with like lip balm, right. And then they branched out to like, and now they like do like energy drinks and like, so it's just like, you know, the, yeah, that that's. I mean, like you said, if you can buy it, yeah, people yeah. are putting their logo on it. It's kind yeah. of peak capitalism. We can we can do essential oils. Like I mean, we go wow. Yeah, like I mean, as as the amount of, like the amount of things I've been like, there's no way we can do. Oh, we can do that. Okay, <laughs> like all the time. What does something like that pay? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a, a bit of a loaded question. Always um, is. So and you can give us a range. Right. Well, no, here's why. So I work in a unique position where I work in a very new company to this field. I work in a company that only started doing, like, it, it, it was doing a lot of other things. And then they were like, let's add a promotional products branch. And they did that in April of last year. So yeah. a year ago. And uh, I am technically the first person hired to work exclusively for this branch of the company. Everyone else works for other branches and then also helps with this branch. So I'm the first person who works exclusively for this one. So because it's small and it's a startup, it pays $15 an hour. It should pay more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can say that about any job. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, it probably does for a larger corporation. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm sure customer service at Zazzle pays eleven twenty five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. Mm. Um, so you've been doing this for a year. No, I actually started in September, so I've been doing this for um, six months? Seven months. Seven months, yeah. I mean, what made you get into this line of work? Um, well, I got, before this job, I worked for an annuities company um, in a call center, and I do not do well in call centers because of time management, so I'm bad at that. But I got let go in January of 2021, and then unemployment and everything carried me for seven months. And I was like, oh, I need a job. And then they were the first people to offer me a job. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I need this thing. I mean, that's a fair answer as well. Yeah. So what's the weirdest thing you've seen someone put their logo on? Um, we can do rolling papers. I've seen that. Quite a few times. Yeah. Um, goodness, I'm trying to think of like what's a like really insane thing. I know we can do condoms. Uh, Joe Exotic did that. Yeah. Joe Exotic had his his uh, mm -hmm. own condoms that he 
oh god, unfortunately passed out to a group of preschoolers mm. when I toured his facility. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there was, like, honestly, I, we don't have a lot of, like, weird stuff come in because we do a lot of work for, like, churches, but... Um, we do do work for some dispensaries yeah. and like we've had like, um, wax carving kits, like custom wax carving kits and, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else we did for them, but a few like, like, uh, marijuana paraphernalia is like, or I don't know why I'm saying it so properly. <laughs> Dope, dope stuff. um, Very professional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I I used to manage uh, a head shop, and Hannah manages a dispensary. Actually, I manage a head shop and a dispensary. Hannah manages a dispensary Mm -hmm. now, and I've seen the custom rolling papers Mm -hmm. plenty of times. And I always wondered, like, that's the that's the coolest shit, and it probably costs a dollar. Yeah. Easy to pass out. Like people want that. I think it was, what was it, like a dollar, something like a dollar thirty four for a box of thirty four rolling papers or something like that. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any funny or weird stories? Yeah. Um. I, I think my personal favorite story is like. So I do a lot of the middleman work between our sales reps, and like. Uh, the like the sales rep comes to me and goes, I have a client who wants this. And then I go, okay, and do all the work to like get the exact item that the client wants and talk about that. So the sales reps have to submit a form that says, what does the client want? And I had a, got a, one of the sales reps submit a form to me. And in the form, he was like, they're looking for uh, hand towels. And he, and then I needed like a description of like what kind of hand towels. And in the description, he put, "We're looking for nice hand towels, the kind that would be at a not too exclusive country club." And I, uh, <laughs> and I was like, "I have no idea what kind of hand towels would be at a too exclusive country club." Like I don't know. What does that mean? I can't get into a not too exclusive country club. Like. It's just such a, like, so sometimes the descriptions you get from the sales rep as to what they mean, you're like, this is more confusing than no description. (laughs) I'm trying to think, like, uh, an exclusive country club, definitely like Southern Hills in Tulsa. And that's nationwide. It's It's still considered exclusive, but not exclusive. Does Paige Belcher have a have a country club like a like a city owned golf course? Um, you pay fifteen dollars a year and you can use the pool on Saturdays. <laughs> I don't know monogram towels. Do it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, is I mean that that's a pretty weird one. How did you handle that situation? I went to the first item that said hand towels and was like, these will work. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's because it's also not like I have them in front of me. Yeah. I'm just looking at a picture on a screen, so I have no way to test the quality, of, which is other than like ordering a sample, but ordering a sample one costs money and two takes like four to five days to get there. So it's like, and sometimes like the client's like, I need this in like three weeks, you know? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I 
I would think in a situation like that, everyone was bluffing. Mm-hmm. I would I would go. Have you ever been to a country club, Mister Salesman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the just absolute best thing about your job? Um, I think, uh, my favorite thing about the job is just, like, it's very much like a, and this is just a personal thing for me, but it's, like, it's very task-oriented. It's, like, I have a task, go do the task, and, like, while there is some variety in task, uh, like, you know, find a this or find a that, for the most part, it's pretty uniform. It's pretty much like somebody sent me a request. I have to send them a presentation. After they send me the presentation, I have to then go through the process of ordering and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And that's, I mean, typical steps. Same yeah, steps, yeah, it's pretty. Really. It's the same outline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like the internals change a bit. So I like the fact that it's not like, whereas opposed to like working at a call center, you have absolutely no idea what's going to come through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this, it's, like, pretty standard, straightforward for the most part. Would you recommend this line of work? At a more established company? Yes. (laughs) I mean, does it feel, does it feel kind of like it may not be there tomorrow because it's so new? No, it's more so like the company is growing, but not at the rate I need it to grow. Um, and so therefore, like, we're on different time schedules, you know? Like, I mean, if you're looking for a job that pays $15 an hour and, like, has a lot of growth potential in it, then this is a great, great industry to be in, you know? Like, there's people are always going to need their faces on dumb shit. Like, that's <laughs> true. You know? So, like, there's a ton of, of money to be made in this industry, and um, that's, that's you know, and there's a lot of growth potential. But at the same time, it's like, you also have to be... It's also, like, at its core, a customer service job, and it's... But it's a customer's... Like, customer service for the general public is kind of like, eh. But, like, customer service for, like, people in the industry starts to get a little like you're supposed to be smarter than this (laughs) yeah yeah i worked for a company where i was doing basically what you did but with custom-made furniture Mm -hmm. and so it was it was i get that frustration Mm -hmm. with it yeah so i ask this question uh as a person like uh, not recording i just ask this of anyone uh who works in an office because in my job i write a lot what's your favorite pen Ooh, um uh sharpie sgel dude i yeah i love that pen so much that pen is so good uh it writes so well yeah, we picked up a so pack smooth. of those recently. They're yeah. very smooth. I was impressed. Yeah. Somebody turned me on to those after uh, after I told them I liked Pilot G2s. Yeah, Pilot G2s are very good as well, but there's something about like the fucking S-Gel that I'm like, It's yes. the perfect ink. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and mm-hmm. then come back, and we're going to talk about comedy and specifically free speech, censorship Mm -hmm. um there's gonna be some incel stuff we're getting into it nice hey do you use drugs it's okay i did it for a really long time 
and I'm going to be completely honest, safety was not my number one concern. But if you need clean gear, spoons, condoms, oil burners, or most importantly, Narcan, come on, man. You got to keep Narcan around. Even if you're not using, if you have friends who do, you can keep it. Just throw it in your backpack. Call SHOTS at 918-973-2671 for free delivery anywhere in Tulsa. Don't use a loan, and please keep Narcan on hand. Again, that is SHOTS. Stop harm on Tulsa streets. And welcome back. I didn't get an instrument this time. Wow. For I did a drum solo last time. Um, when we came back from break the last episode. Listeners, go listen to my drum solo. Did you know I was a drummer? Anyway, so we are back with Ethan Sandoval, Elmo Santana, mm-hmm. my good friend. Now we're going to talk about comedy. So let's get it started. Since this is super comedy related, what would you do if somebody mailed you a tendy? A uh, what? Chicken tender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd consider it. Uh, that's, about, that's about what I would do. Uh, honestly, I'd be like, you dumb bastard. <laughs> I think that, that would be my response. Were you... So the, that's, that's based on a story I heard from you um, mm-hmm. during a comedy set. Long and short of it, you mailed a chicken tender. Yes, I, I bought some glasses uh, from Zenny Optical. And I, I, I like buying women's glasses because men's glasses come in fighter pilot or pedophile. That's and true. I am neither of those things. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to buy women's glasses. Um and so I bought these glasses that were like crystal blue plastic, and they were all cut out. And like, listen, I like flamboyant stuff, but like Elton John couldn't have pulled off these glasses. <laughs> so like, I couldn't pull off these glasses. So I was like, I gotta send them back. And so they were like, okay, we'll send you the shipping label. Just put them in a package and send it back. I was like, okay, I'll go on lunch. I went on lunch, grabbed some chicken tenders from the grocery store I was eating those on my way to the post office and then I went to the post office and I uh, mailed the glasses and then like three days later I got a phone call from them and they were like did you mail us a chicken tender? (laughs) and I was like what? (laughs) and they were were mad at me because they were like they were like this was was a we didn't know what it was we thought it was a biological we we, we were just to be safe we were like we have to kind of like sh- quarantine this whole area and like <laughs> check on it and make sure everything's okay and i'm like it's a chicken tender and they're like well we gotta be sure and so then they were like mad at me and then they were like we don't appreciate these kinds of pranks and i was like i'm upset you would think that that's my level of prank <laughs> like, that's what i'm working with it's like i'm gonna get them i'm a chicken tender and then and then also, like, as an autistic person, I'm very upset that you think I would send a chicken tender away at, for anything. Yeah. No, no, that's... <laughs> that's... And so the reason that I put this question in mm-hmm. is that we find ourselves in these situations 
Mm-hmm. And it's not that the situation is unique to mm-hmm. comics. It's that when we talk about it, it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when other people tell the story, mm-hmm. they're like, I feel really bad because mm-hmm. Zenny Optical had to evacuate their offices. And you're yeah. like, this is why you people need to know this shit. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I was like, oh no, a major corporation had to do something wrong. Had to, had to, had to be inconvenienced for 30 minutes. Mm, poor, poor little corporation. Right, for the safety of their employees. Mm. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, it's a chicken uh, dinner. Calm down. Yeah, and as a person on the outside of this story, just, just the spectator, yeah. um, for the sake of your story, I hope that it was stinky. So I'll I'll tell you something that separates comics from normal people. That story's not true. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is not true. Right. Yeah. And that's so we definitely lie a lot. Oh yeah. The the, the truth of that story, up until the mailing of the chicken tender, that's true. Yeah. Um, what happened was I was eating the chicken dinners and then I looked in the package that had my glasses and there was just a crumb of chicken tender in there. Yeah. And then I poured it out and I mailed it and then I was driving and I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I had actually mailed a chicken tender? And then I was like, what might happen if I mailed a chicken tender? And then I fabricated this story out of it because I thought that's so funny. And like, that's, yeah, like that's also a thing. And that's not to say that all my stories aren't true. Like, I definitely did come out to my dad as a vampire when I was 14. Like, <laughs> I love that Right. <laughs> like, that's... But it's like... It's embellishment. It's embellishment. Like, creative, comedic embellishment to just bring joy. And, like, you know, uh, there's no point to it. It's a harmless... It is. Yeah, yeah. And so I... My example, what got me to start doing comedy mm. was I set myself on fire. Mm. I got burned really badly. Mm. I've talked about it plenty. Yeah. Doesn't you, you were like, well, if I can do that, then a roast is nothing. <laughs> when I tell people the story, I say I blew myself up. Yeah. I did not. I was making candles and I left them on the stove. Mm-hmm. But I also say, you know, people ask me about it all the time. You, you know, it happens maybe once every six months, and mm. it's somebody who has no tact at all. Mm. It doesn't get, I don't get asked about it all mm-hmm. the time. These are things that we talk about because we know that there are situations that would be very funny. Mm-hmm. And for all anyone knows, you did mail a chicken tender to Zenny Optical. Mm-hmm. Who cares if you didn't? Right, yeah. Like, and so that's, eh, I felt like that was a good start to, yeah. to this line of questioning. Absolutely. But let's, Hannah, Hannah, what do you got? Is free speech under attack? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I'm glad you, what if you, what if you set me up to be on your side and then all of a sudden I was like, yes, it is. And here's <laughs> why. It's the liberal agenda. No. <laughs> I wanted it to be the most toothless fucking gotcha moment there could be. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, it's not under attack. Absolutely not. No. No, you know what people have is freedom. They don't have freedom of consequences. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> You're free to say whatever you want. You are free to say whatever you want. But everyone else is also free to say what they... Like, it's... 
it's not freedom of speech for you, David. You know? It's, yeah. It's freedom of speech for everyone. So you're free to vocalize your opinion. And I'm free to go, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yes. You know? And so that sets us up for the next question. Do you have any rivals? And will you name them? <laughs> uh, no, rival implies that I'm afraid they'll surpass me. So no. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I genuinely, I'm not like... I'm not a grudge kind of guy, you know. I get that. You know? I do. I like. I have people where I'm like, I would prefer if we didn't interact. Yeah. But it's like I'm not gonna actively like. I think rival implies like actively trying to compete with or take sure. down. And for me, it's like, I don't particularly like you. Like I don't particularly enjoy being around you or enjoy the things that you say. But I also don't wish ill of you. Yeah. You know. And we do ask that on every episode, so it's it's not just for comics, but, I mean, I'm with you, and the only person I can think of that I really would have ever wished ill upon, I mean, was just someone I just didn't like a whole bunch, and unfortunately, he, he passed away, and mm-hmm. I didn't wish that. Yeah. Um, but, like, other mm-hmm. than that... I don't give a shit what anybody yeah, else is doing. Yeah. Good old David Tall. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck him anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you... And you kind of... You mentioned this on the social media. Oh, wait, I media. do have a rival. Oh. Landry Miller, you piece of shit. <laughs> We're calling you We're out. We're calling you out, Landry. <laughs> I... I can't hate the man for any reason. (laughs) Dude could burn down an orphanage. And I'm like, you know what? He did really well last time I saw him do stand-up. He could burn down an orphanage, and I'd be like, that's Landry. Fuck them kids. Landry being Landry. You you mentioned um, something on social media. Do you feel like cancel culture is real at all? No, I don't think it... Cancel culture is a thing that people use to, like, put a name on... Like, to... In order for a thing to be targeted, it has to have a name. Yes. Right? So, um, they're like, oh, this thing makes me uncomfortable, so I'm going to call it cancel culture. But the thing that makes you uncomfortable is the fact that, oh, no, I've done bad things and might have to face the consequences of my actions for them. Like, they're... Right. It's not even cancel culture it's 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 not a culture number one yes it's just being a person being like i would like people to be held accountable for the things that they say and do right um it's it's society which i hate that word now Mm -hmm. but yeah it's society going hey we don't want to be in the same room with you anymore because you're mean yeah um Uh, cat williams called it accountability culture which of all people mm -hmm. He was the last person I expected, but I, I respect that. No, no, accountability culture is definitely a thing I've, I've heard it called, and I'm like, yeah, that's definitely more on the lines of it. Like, my my only thing that I kind of don't like is, like, um, about it is, like, uh, uh, um, I do get annoyed when it's, like, this person fucked up, and then, like, people get mad at them, and then that person apologizes, and goes through, like, all the correct 
like because some people don't do that some people like apologize and they do it you know very poorly and are accusatory in their apology like you misinterpreted what i said instead of saying like i said a thing that upon reflection i can see exactly how people would be offended by that and i apologize that was not my intention that's a much better apology you know and saying like i am aware that this was you know inappropriate to say and i will work to be better going forward but you know and then people go through those steps the thing i don't like is sometimes and it's a very small minority people do tend to be like after the person has done everything that they need to do occasionally people will be like they're still a piece of shit because they did this thing and it's like okay we can't that's kind of the problem with the prison culture yes because it's like Prison is not about rehabilitation. It's about punishment. Yes. And it's like, that's why we have such a issue in the society is like, people need to be, re- they need to be rehabilitated. Like, they've got a rough life. So, yeah. No, that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly right. You can't, you can't keep coming down on a person when they're, when they've admitted fault. Yeah. When somebody apologizes with, and, and my favorite one is, I'm sorry you got offended. Ugh. Uh, yeah. He, oh, yeah, no, me too, man. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad we're on that page together, yeah. but yeah, it's it's just just to like kind of I think wrap it up. It's like it would be shitty to continue to treat someone like shit after they've gone to prison, served out their time, yes. and be like, yeah, but you did rob that liquor store twenty years ago. It's like. Okay, they've done all the things that they were told to do, and they haven't done anything bad since. Like, and I obviously, if you were personally hurt and you're just not willing to forgive them, I can fully understand that. Like, you're not required to forgive people, but it's when you constantly attack someone for a thing that they've worked on. Mm-hmm. That's right. that's when it becomes. That's the only time when I'm like, okay, it's becoming problematic. Like now, now you're just lashing out. Yeah. yeah, but otherwise, yeah. Well, that's and you. You are a fair bit younger. You're twenty five, right? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. So, I honestly, kind of, I, well, I mean, I I have a lot of sympathy for y- the people your age who are in comedy mm-hmm. because social media was such a force when you were at your edgiest. Mm-hmm. I didn't. There's no record. Of me being a shithead when I was 14 years old. Oh, yeah. yeah. Luckily for me, there isn't either. I don't think. I don't know if I have any... I was not a kid that, like, recorded stuff or anything like that. Like, okay. Yeah, I... Uh, I mean, you might find a poem I wrote online. <laughs> uh, you know what you might find? You might find a 16-year-old me, like, on the internet being like... Does anyone want to sleep with me? <laughs> but but it was yeah. That's what you might find. <laughs> and that's not that's too bad, fine. You know? yeah. yeah. And like, look, that's not to say that I didn't fuck up and hurt people. You know? Yeah. Like I fucked up a ton in college. I hate who I or not in college, high school. In high school, I was a piece of shit, and I hated who I was, and I have a very deep felt guilt about it and if people came to me and were like you were a piece of shit i'd be like absolutely 100 percent. i made people uncomfortable and i accept that and accept you know and i've done everything i can to try to be better about it you know um and 
that's, that's just the thing you have to kind of like be like, hey, I fucked up when I was young, and I can only try to be better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, should bigotry have consequences? Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I don't just mean expressing it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, there's different types of bigotry. There's, like, there's real awful bigotry of just, like, exclusionary, like, you know, if some yeah, fucking overlooking somebody on a job interview because their last name is Lopez. Like, you know, like, yes. there's all types of bigotry, the very quiet bigotry, systemic bigotry, and, like, you know... And racism and things of that nature and like, or homophobia or transphobia or fucking xenophobia, like all that stuff. Um, and yeah, like it's not a good thing. Um, I, yeah. The problem is like it's, I think the problem I see is that no case is the same. Yes. And unf- like humans like to live in the gray area, but societies don't. Societies want black and whiteism, and that's that's the problem. Is like it's very to think it's very easy to think of something as an individual, but as a society, it's harder, you know, and like, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I guess so. I wrote that one with the intention of like, do we can can we. Uh, ostracize or or exclude a person for just their views if they don't necessarily express those views if they if they go on stage and they're absolutely harmless and wholesome and wonderful mm-hmm. but then off stage they're like yeah I do this I plain don't like Hawaiians mm-hmm. I that that becomes a point of mm-hmm. are you taking issue with them as a person or mm-hmm. or what and it's it's mm-hmm. exactly like you said it's case by case basis exactly like there's 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 definitely like you can I think you can say I don't like X, right? Right. Like I think that's okay to say. You know, I think it's okay to say I don't like X. It's when it becomes attacking. It's when it becomes seeking out and and um I don't know what the right term what I'm looking for. I'm very tired. Um is um <laughs> It's when it becomes, like, uh, aggressive. That's when it becomes, like, okay, we need to stop this. And, like, a conversation should be had when they're at the I don't like stage, right? Yes. That's not to say it should just be swept in the rug and be like, ah, he just doesn't like them. No, you should be like, well, why don't you like them? Like, what's going on? Like, what is your reasoning? And then you find out, oh, it's because you dated somebody of that culture and then they cheated on you and now you've extrapolated. Like... You know, that's it should be talked about at the at the very least. But once it becomes like a thing that starts when you say I don't like something, that affects only you. When it affects other people is when it becomes a problem. That's a damn good answer. Yeah. Alright. I'll take that. Uh, well, when is it okay to punch down? When you're in mount position in mixed martial arts and you're like on top in the chair. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, or if your partner asks for it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, <sighs> I 
you know what? I would like to extrapolate on what punching down is. Okay. Because I feel like that's a term that we understand it is. very easily as comics, but I feel like maybe as an audience member may not quite know what that means. Um, comedy has long been a way for the disenfranchised to rail against the people of power, the things in power, right? Punch up, as we call Punch it. Punch up, right, exactly. Um, whereas punching down is when the butt of the joke is the victim, the disenfranchised, the minority, the groups that aren't in power. So punching, like, um, I wish I had a better example than this because it's uh, it's about rape, but, like, punching up would be, like, making fun of the rapist, the culture that uh, makes rapists feel safe, that makes, you know, um, a, a, the societal issues of rape. Punching down is making fun of the victims and victim blaming and things of that nature. And um, also, but and then there is the added aspect of like, rape is a very sensitive topic. So like, you also have to make sure that you're using terminology that doesn't make people affected by that uncomfortable. Right. You know, so it's, it's not just as simple as don't punch down. It's also like... Try to be, even if you're punching up, try to not say certain phrases and things. And not even quite that, but just, like, be aware of what you're saying. Like, be aware that, like, if you use harsh language talking about a thing specifically like that, like, of sensitive nature, it might be more triggering for the people who are affected by it. Yeah, so we've had... We've had a couple instances where people made a joke uh, that specifically contained a person with a mental disability of some sort mm-hmm. in in the punchline, or or at least mm-hmm. in the premise of the bit. Mm-hmm. And they said a word that we don't like to repeat mm-hmm. because people with disabilities specifically asked us to stop using it. Yes. And it, if you're attacking a group who can't help what they are, mm-hmm. that is punching down in almost any case, unless right. it's a inherited wealth, I guess. Right. Like, let me, <laughs> let me put it to you example, like an actual example from my own life. So when I was younger, me and my stepmom and I, we love each other very much. We're very close now. But when I was younger, there was definitely some tension there. Um, And we used to, like, make jokes at each other. And I remember one time she would, like, made a joke about my weight or something like that. And then I made a joke about her nose. And she got very offended by that. And then when I was like, why? She was like, because you can change your weight. I can't change my nose. Yeah. You know? And, like... That's the thing is like when you make fun of a thing somebody cannot change, a thing that is a makeup of their being, you have to understand like you're like being like, hey, this thing about you is wrong. And then they're just there like I'm powerless to change this thing. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm you're just being like this thing about you is wrong. And the only thing I can do is be like, yeah. It's wrong. And then, like, I mean, even if it's funny, like, 
man, like that's that does sting after a while. Like it does, does, you know. It, there's a reason. I mean, I won't personally. I don't want to participate in insult comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I would. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to get insulted a whole bunch, and I mm-hmm. don't want to insult somebody else a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. There are people who are better suited for that, mm-hmm. and they sign up for it. Mm-hmm. And in that case, sometimes the gloves come off. Mm-hmm. But if somebody doesn't consent to that, mm-hmm. that's off limits. Mm-hmm. And it ju- and in some rooms, it may not be. Mm-hmm. But if that room tells you it is, and that can even be, and you just bombed. Mm-hmm. Like... Insult comedy, like, the reason I'm, like, I'm totally okay with it is because it's people who are consenting to being made fun of. Right. Like, they're, like, I am a consenting adult saying that, yes, I would love to be made fun of, right? Um, And, like, uh, whereas I've been to roast shows and seen a comic on stage and then the other comic makes fun of that comic's partner. And it's like, my partner didn't consent to this. My partner did not consent to being a target. And like, you know, sometimes, a lot of the times, that's totally okay. A lot of the times, the partner's like, that was a great joke. But I've also seen those partners walk out of the room sobbing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I understand you're like, it's a competition and I'm trying to win. But like, fucking basic human, just go up to them right before and be like, do you mind if I make a joke at your expense? You know? And like, for some things, you can't do that for every single person, right? Like, you know, you can't do that for every person who's had a miscarriage. Yeah. You know? You can't do that for every person. So then you have to be like, well, shit, if I can't consider every person's feelings with this joke maybe it's not that good of a joke maybe it's actually harmful yeah you know and then and like look here's the other thing that we have to acknowledge is like a part of freedom of speech is being like i don't care right like saying i don't care that it affects those people i'm gonna tell the joke anyway and guess what you can tell that joke and then we have the ability to go you're an asshole for telling that joke yeah you know, it's like both situations can, uh, bo- both facts can be true. Mm-hmm. You are free to say it, mm-hmm. but we're free to hate you for it. Yeah, exactly. And like, also, I, a thing I've always said is freedom of speech does not mean freedom to of platform. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If I, I mean, there are there are venues. Mm-hmm. In, in Tulsa mm-hmm. and all over the place that are clean venues, mm-hmm. you know what I don't do? Perform there. Yeah. Because I can't get through it without saying fuck. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, uh, also, like, f- that whole freedom of speech does not mean freedom of platform doesn't just apply to comics. Donald Trump got removed off Twitter. Right. You know? Like, that. that is a private company. They're allowed to handle that however the fuck they want. Just like if you try to go into Walmart without shoes on. Yeah. It's they'll like, tell you to get out. Yeah, it's like if you if I walked up into your place of work and was like, 
fuck you, you know, and started attacking you, you would remove me from the premises. Right. right? You're a current and present danger, right? And you will be treated as such. And, like, obviously, you're not as current and present danger with, you know, attacking somebody versus words. There is some difference there. Sure. But, and so obviously the the response should be, should match, you know, we shouldn't, somebody saying something with words, you shouldn't respond as if they're physically attacking you. But there should still be a response, you know, like. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully there is. Yeah. No, it's absolute. And, and if the material, whether it's in person, if it's water cooler talk or whatever, mm-hmm. if it puts someone else in danger mm-hmm. just on the basis of, oh, I outed someone or, mm-hmm. you know, I told someone uh, something that was said to me in confidence, the the person who you put in danger of has every right to... A, take issue with it. Mm -hmm. B, um, you may face repercussions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was a time when I had someone out me as trans before I was out Mm -hmm. to my sister. Yeah. And uh, during that time, I got to say, it was going to be on site. Yeah. That is a repercussion because my livelihood was in danger. My my ability to exist was in danger. Do you know about the law, of, uh, the crime fighting words? No. So there's actually a crime. I don't know where. I, I'm not a legal expert or anything. Sure. But, um, so, uh, and, and it's kind of like an offshoot of hate speech, but like, if... Somebody says something to you and you uh, attack them, um, but like, you could say, like, well, they used, they used fighting words. And, like, that is technically, like, a crime. Like, it is. They said something that instigated a fight. Like, they were actively seeking out a fight. Wow. Yeah. Is that what them's with, fighting words comes from? Yeah. Like, or that's kind of the same thing. I want to look it up. I yeah, heard it. Do. I heard it in a law class back when I was in college. It's very interesting. But, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, it's... Even the legal system recognizes the power of words, you know? Like, words, words inspire actions. They do. They and, do. And in our state and many others, we have Mm -hmm. defense for murder that's gay panic and trans panic. That Mm -hmm. it's sad that it's still Mm -hmm. usable. In a lot of states, it's not. But if somebody finds out that I'm gay and I happen, or that I'm queer or whatever, and I happen to be in a room with that person Mm -hmm. and they murder me, they Mm -hmm. can say, I was afraid that person was going Mm -hmm. to try to kiss me. So I killed them. So, yeah. Uh, fighting words are written or spoken words intended to incite hatred or violence from their target. Specific definitions and like, uh, let's see, hold on. I'm trying to pull it up from Cornell because I want to, I don't want to use wiki. I want to use actual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hold on. Here we go. From Cornell. 
Uh, fighting words are words meant to incite violence such that they may not be protected free speech under the First Amendment. So, like, while what we're talking about is not necessarily fighting words, you're not trying to incite violence, you're trying to tell a joke, you're still saying things, and, like, people are like, well, they're just words, but it's like, fucking words hurt a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words or words will break your heart is yes. the other the other phrase, right? Yeah. And um, the funny thing, and I think the thing that always gets gets me is like, um, people are like, "Well, it's just words, man. You can't let them get to you." And it's like, I all I did was express that I didn't like what you said, and now you're being defensive. You're being like, "Well, I do." I didn't say the thing, but I wouldn't mean anything by it. And it's like, I just was expressing my feelings. You're the ones, you're the one pulling a ton of emotion into this. Like, yeah. we're, we're, this was just a conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. they're adding emotion <laughs> to yeah. to it. Um, you know, I, I have told someone recently, because mm-hmm. I saw after the Will Smith debacle, mm-hmm. somebody said that they couldn't remember all the times they were bullied, but they could remember the times they were hit. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I told someone today, mm-hmm. I can't remember all of the punches I've thrown or all of the punches that have been thrown at me. I can remember the exact fucking derogatory nickname I had in high school mm-hmm. because that hurt. Mm-hmm. The punches, that shit healed. Mm-hmm. But... I, <sighs> You know, not getting accepted based on mm. people's views of you. Mm. That shit does damage. Mm-hmm. Trauma, that's the other thing is, I guess, is like, there's not an understanding of trauma. Like, if you look at me on paper, I'm a pretty privileged person. Like, never had to worry about where meals were going to come from or if sure. I was going to have a place to stay. Grew up kind of upper middle class, things of that nature. And um, I have, like, a lot of trauma, you know? And, like, the only thing that's kind of out there for me is, like, my parents are divorced, right? And I'm not somebody who gets triggered very easily, but, like, I, as somebody who has, like, even a modicum of trauma from a very good upbringing, I'm fully aware that, like, oh... Other people have, like, incredible trauma, like, incredible amounts of trauma from, like, actions that were taken against them, things that were said to them, like, being gaslit and things of that nature. And it's, like, if they feel even a tenth of how bad I feel whenever something reminds me of my trauma, I'm going to do everything I can to not remind them of their trauma. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to also try to protect those people when I see people doing things that incites trauma in them, you know? And so it's like people, when I made a post, well, the reason we're talking about this is partially because I made a post talking about like some issues I saw in the community and yes. things of that nature. And like, I the thing I said was, it's not. 
it is not giving up your freedom of speech to be considerate of other people, right? Right. And since then, people have come after me and they've come after my partner. You know, they've made yeah. they've made comments towards my partner and like you know that's i'm gonna protect my partner you know like i i can take it and like the thing is i made that post and i i also was trying to defend the audience like i was trying to because i've had audience members come up to me and say i don't feel comfortable going to shows and going to open mics because of the way the comics behave because of the things they say, they make me uncomfortable, right? Yeah. As a comic, if you're not listening to feedback that direct, and you're just being like, well, I'm a comedian and I'm going to say what I want because it's what I want to say, you're an asshole. Yes. Yeah. And that's... The audience is who pays you. Yeah. <laughs> the audience <laughs> is where... On the, the head. The audience is the whole reason that you're there you know like because without an audience you're just a crazy person with a microphone <laughs> right you know? like yeah it's frustrating are trans queer folks burdened with wokeness no trans queer folks are not burdened with wokeness trans queer folks are always on the defensive because they're being detached so they have to be aware of what's going on in order to protect themselves right do they set the bar for what is or should they be expected to set the bar for what is okay the most the most woke people i know are cis white people bingo the, thank you yeah the most the most like progressive woke bullshit people i know have no skin in the game yeah and that's why <laughs> they're woke because the, for them it's fun for them it's like ooh, i get to say a mean thing and then i look good because i'm defending other people and it's yeah. like you this doesn't affect you like like there's a difference between protecting someone because somebody's attacking them and then actively seeking out people to attack. Like, you, it's fucking... Oh, man. I was about to make a Kyle Rittenhouse comparison. <laughs> it's like, your business isn't under attack. You're two states over. Why are you here? Yeah. Like, you know? Like, yeah. What you should be doing, here's what you should do. You should amplify the voice of the person being attacked. Right. Listen to what they're saying. My favorite example of this is actually not uh, from the queer community. Mm. It's from the Latinx community, and it is white people trying to cancel Speedy Gonzalez. Mm. And the response in Mexico was, the fuck are you talking about? Speedy Gonzalez is a hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody listened to the people who actually matter in this situation. Yeah. I feel like that's with a lot of things too, to be honest. Like one of my favorite things to tell people that are like talking over people like that mm -hmm. are sh you know, sit down and shut up. Just mm -hmm. sit Listen. down and shut up. Listen to what we have to say. Yeah. And that goes for for every group. Mm -hmm. That can also if you guys would shut up for 10 fucking minutes, you also get a say in what is okay to talk about when it comes yeah. to you. 
we're not trying to shut people down. We're trying to create an open discourse. And exactly. Obvi- now, obviously, sometimes that does not get handled the best way. Yeah. And we have to try to learn from that. Um, you know, like, it's better to have a direct one-on-one conversation. We had one not too not yeah. too long ago where I was like, I, there's a thing you're doing. I don't really necessarily agree with it. I reached out to you. I said it. You said, I see your point, And we had a conversation about it. Yeah. That's, that's what we want. We're not, I don't want to attack people. I don't want to like make you feel defensive. I just want to have an open discussion to try to reach some mutual understanding and growth. And to be honest, when you first messaged me, I kind of panicked because I went, oh shit, what did I do? Am I about to be in trouble for something I said? And that's exactly what it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was a respectful conversation. Mm And I gained so much respect for you and insight mm-hmm. into how you felt mm-hmm. because I was willing to listen mm-hmm. and because you didn't immediately attack me. We mm-hmm. don't go out of our way mm-hmm. to attack people for the things we say until they double down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a difference between like the initial thing should be, hey, you said some things. And I personally have these thoughts about those things. And then if you say, um, you know, well, I still stand by those things, then it's like, okay, well, then now we have a true disagreement. You know, now we have a true thing. And now, while I personally would be like, all right, then I'm just not going to interact with you. Some other people handle it differently. And I'm not going to speak for other people on how they handle those things. But like, yeah. Does does any kind of phobia, and that could be that could be down to uh, promo- promoting promoting is the wrong word uh, to indicating the differences between certain racial groups or um, or actual like homophobia or transphobia. Um, does it have any place in comedy? Does, mm. because we grew up with a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff, right? When I was mm-hmm. a kid, mm-hmm. every villain was effeminate. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how you knew he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But does it have a place in today's comedy? Do you think? Do you think that it does? I don't... I don't think that it does. I don't think that, like... I think we're moving to a point, like... The reason that those things were ever a part of the mainstream at all was because the groups that they affected didn't have a voice. Yes. That's why they were a thing at all, right? Yeah. And they were like, we can make these jokes about people because they can't say anything. Right. Or won't. Yeah, or won't, you know. Out of fear of reprisal. Yeah, exactly. But now we, with the globalization of the internet, everyone has a voice for good and for bad. Yeah. You know? And again, it's freedom of speech. Like, you're allowed to say whatever the fuck you want, right? But, like, those people have a right to then defend themselves, you know? Like, um, and uh, I don't think that homophobia or transphobia or xenophobia or any of those things have any place in in comedy 
you know, and like, who knows? Maybe you can find a brilliant joke that brings the world together <laughs> over it. But chances are, you're not gonna. If Sid Caesar didn't do it, you're not gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's been tried. Yeah, and like, yeah. I, I think I think that can also extend to even in cases of like ironic racism, which mm-hmm. real people really try. Mm-hmm. They 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 mm-hmm. give it a good shot, and you know what? Mm-hmm. You're still sometimes saying the n word, so mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any sympathy for incels? Um. Oh man. I feel like I was, my life, I had a choice. You know, I was like, go down the path of being an incel or don't. And then I was like, no, I want to be a kind person. It's not other people's fault f- for my loneliness, you know? And like, that's that's what in- being an incel is, is blaming other people and being obstinate to change when other people are saying the reason I don't like you is because of you. Yeah. You know, you know. Well, so I, I actually, I thought of this question because I said the word incel at work one day and my boss was like, shut up for a second. I take issue with the word incel because there's nothing involuntary about it. Mm -hmm. It is voluntary 100%. Mm -hmm. And so... I immediately like jumped on the computer and started reading mm-hmm. some of their reasoning mm-hmm. for uh, it's the long the 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 basis is they can't get laid mm-hmm. and they have everything mapped out to what they think is a science like the way their faces are shaped mm-hmm. and what women uh, have become, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Women have always been independent and mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, yeah, you, 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 what you said is exactly the same thing. You had a choice. Mm-hmm. And you chose not to be a dick. Right. What, whenever somebody it rejects you, what they are saying is you have qualities that I don't like or appreciate or you don't have the qualities that i like or appreciate and so you have a few options one you can you can say what they like or appreciate is not something that i seek or want to gain and therefore they're not a good partner for me yeah i accept their rejection where we have different values right i'm not i'm not willing to make those changes um and that's fine. You know, that's yes. totally fine. That is a totally valid response. You don't have to change just because people say you should. You don't have to. Right. That is a totally valid response. Just make sure you're doing it for the right reason. The other option you have is to say, okay, you know what? Those are some shortcomings in myself. I can try to make those changes. You know, I can try to be better. Uh, and I can try to to be this better person and you should do that for you before you should do it for anyone else. Yeah. But sometimes it takes them saying that for you to see that those things are missing Mm -hmm. or are there. And the third option is to go, well, they should love me because I'm me and they should love me for who I am and I deserve to be loved. And it's like, sure, you deserve to be loved, but you don't... 
you don't deserve to be loved by that specific person. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody everybody should be able to have some sort of release and that is sexual in nature. But you don't deserve to have sex with a certain person. Other countries mm-hmm. um I think Denmark has offers a stipend to people with um, a physical disability Mm -hmm. that keeps them from being able to meet a sexual partner in normal Mm -hmm. avenues so they can pay a sex worker. And if that's what it takes to not Mm -hmm. be um, crazy Mm -hmm. and, like, (laughs) go on a shooting rampage, I guess, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, go see a sex worker. Do something. Mm -hmm. But what you got? Well, Well, and... uh, Nobody owes you anything either. Right. Like, it's not It's not something that, mm-hmm. I guess, it's not just a privilege for you to have. What I was going to say, and that is correct, that is 1,000% correct. <laughs> yes, it is. What I was going to say to kind of continue with this point was the thing I said earlier about saying I don't like you or I don't like this affects only you, whereas... Um, actively like teaching things out affects other people. Being single affects only you. Having a sexual partner affects other people. And once it affects other people is when you have to be considerate. Right. And that's what it is. It's like you're saying, I should have this thing, but there's another person involved and their feelings val- are valid and should be considered. If... Anyone is going through these feelings uh, of of being consistently rejected and having trouble finding a partner. I start with hello. Yeah. For fuck's sake, stop sending him your dick. Um, just try saying hi. How are you? Mm-hmm. But if you really, really having trouble grasping the situation, you can also email our show. Yeah. And I will tell you again to say hello, but mm-hmm. you know the email address. How do you do 420 at gmail.com? <laughs> so this is one real huge question. Mm. Um, what's the biggest problem in comedy? Mm. You know what it is? And I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, the biggest problem in comedy is that comedy is very much a solo activity. As a comedian, specifically stand-up comedy, as a comedian, you are a singular person doing a singular act that requires audience participation, right? And comedy... And you're a person who, at some point in your brain, said, what I say is important, what I say is funny... And I should be the center of attention. Yeah. But every other comedian said the same thing. Yes. So you have a bunch of people who want to be the center of attention, all trying to be the center of attention. And the problem is no, not enough people are willing to accept that sometimes they don't get to be the center of attention. That sometimes they don't get to be 
the guy who's doing all the cool things or the, the fucking girl that's like wowing everyone. Like you just, sometimes you just have to be supportive and quiet and like, if you can't, you can't. Like, look, I know myself. Whenever I've had enough of a show, I leave. I just yep. carry it in a story. I'm not going to, like, make snide comments about it. I'm not going to, like, attack people for it. Like, it's just like, all right, you know, I'm done. I'm done here. I've heard all I need to hear. I'm just going to... I'm going to wait for the best time to leave. And I'm going to leave. Try, try to... Duck out while people are laughing so you can get out. Or in the transition between comics. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I've we've walked uh, walked out of a lot of shows because mm-hmm. either I was tired or I was tired of that show. Yeah. And like and then the problem the problem is the people that are the center of attention, like is the response to that is like the sometimes the people who are the center of it or want to be the center of attention are like, well, they walked out of my show, so they're mean and not supportive. And it's like, no, they, they have no obligation to stay. Yeah. <laughs> I once said to a person, because I, I left early, mm-hmm. um, I said, dude, my narcolepsy mm-hmm. is not directly caused mm. by uh, your inability to make me laugh, mm-hmm. but that sure didn't help. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was that. Yeah. But uh, what do you have to promote? Uh, honestly, nothing right now. Like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I just did a bunch of shows, and then I'm, I'm on a little bit of a downturn right now. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, I'll promote blue just i guess the sounds tooth network is yeah. this one i'll shout out which a lot of other podcasts if you like podcasts check it out yeah please uh, do sounds tooth yeah. um it's is, is a standalone app is that there is a standalone yeah. app but it's also anywhere you can find a podcast yeah yeah a lot of good shows binge with terrell norton mm-hmm. is is a favorite of mine i was just on the episode came out april 14th so today when we're recording but yeah well, this one will go up this evening. Okay, yeah. So, um, listeners, check that out. I've got a show um, tomorrow that is April 15th at Starlight. I believe it's at 9 p.m. It's free. It's going to be fun. I might wear something cute, so compliment it. Um, come see my anniversary show at the Max on Sunday. Ethan, it has been a great pleasure having you on. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy to have you. Um, mm. Hannah, what you got? No, just thank you for coming on. Yeah. This is very insightful. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, listeners, mm. we love you. Have a good night. Bye. Mm. Bye. This has been a Burger Satan Bitch Fest production. <laughs>